You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, May 5th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Fridays on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for... Follow the show, guys, wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. Also, check me out on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and at L-O underscore Padres. And if you want want to see my sweet fit that I'm rocking for today's show, you can check out Locked On Padres on YouTube, where I'm rocking the NOLA hat, among other things, guys. For today's episode, we are going to be talking about Austin NOLA very briefly. Look, it's a rule now. Whenever Austin NOLA, I have a lot of rules and silly bits. That I do for this podcast, but one of them that doesn't get talked about enough is my bit where I wear this Nola hat if Austin Nola does anything. And he certainly did for the good and for worse. So we'll get into that a little bit, guys. But the big things we're going to be talking about are Mike Clevenger and Mackenzie Gore's performances, what I thought, because one of them was the return, and another one was maybe depends on, you know, how he did would cement his status in the rotation. So we're going to talk about all that, guys. Let's start with the first game of the day in which the Padres defeated. The Cleveland Guardians by a score of five to four. I will say one of the not not even minor big takeaways uh, of the day is also that the Padres, while they're starting pitching, has been elite. They've been really awesome and very consistent. Even if they haven't been wiping people out, maybe even getting a little bit lucky with some great defensive play and some hard hit stats. Bottom line is the starting pitching has been really steady and consistent, and that's one thing that they didn't always have last year, or at least they didn't always have in the second half, especially from guys like you, Darvish, Blake Snell, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, back end of the rotation with Paddock and especially Lament and all that. But in this game, they end up winning despite all of that, despite some other scorings from the Guardians late in the game in the bottom of the seventh, to be exact. In this game, to start things off, because why not? Because why not? The Padres strike first with an... I almost said his name. I almost did. I almost did, guys. I almost did. The Padres' first baseman driving in Jake Cronenworth with a single on the top of the first. And then the other big hit coming from Mr. May Machado homering. The deep left allowing Jake Croner with the score. May Machado has been awesome. Both him and the first baseman to combine have been just a dynamic duo. Uh, probably the dynamic duo we didn't expect. Probably thought it would be Cronenworth, who is ramping up and he's 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 doing a little bit better lately. But probably didn't expect that. Um, actually, if you guys check out on my Twitter page, I linked out uh, from um, Jay Jaffe. I think. Hopefully, I got his name correct. Let me actually make sure I get that right. Um, over at Fangraphs, he did this piece. Um, kind of talking about his start to the season so far. Yeah, Jay Jaffe, uh, about his season so far, and basically some of the tidbits that maybe we'll save for future, but it's basically he's been crushing lefties, and among other things, his ground ball rate to fly ball rate is still super high. So basically, though, we can expect or at least hope that he's going to at least be a decent player for this team, at least not a zero-war player. And as someone tweeted at me on Twitter, this the every-other-year theory. Hopefully he can keep that up, but... He wasn't the main hero of today. It's just that he started things off on this doubleheader. And man, it was fun to have a doubleheader for me today, let me tell you guys. Um, 
The other runs coming from Arsenal, which is why I have the hat. He hits a double in the top of the sixth inning, which was really great. Which is really great. Love to see that. Um, in this game, though, the biggest storyline is Mike Clevenger making his return. Four and two-thirds innings, giving up three earned runs over those four and two-thirds innings on only four hits, which is good. Walking three, striking out four. His velocity was a little bit lower than his typical average. He was sitting around like 95.6 around that back when he was fully healthy in 2019 and a little bit of 2020. That was down a little bit. But then again, hard to read too much into that considering that it is his first start. Uh, coming off of Tommy John's surgery, he has not pitched for the Padres since the end of the 2020 season. So that is basically if he just went out there and just pitched well and just pitched to an extent that was just he was okay. He threw 95 pitches, which was very, very good. I like to see that. That's probably the most encouraging thing that happened in his start. Didn't generate, you know, an over abundance of whiffs, but even still. It was very encouraging to see from Mike Clevenger, who's going to be a free agent after this season. And back when he was healthy, and I wrote about this recently for JustBaseball.com, he was one of the elite pitchers in baseball. Unlike, say, the trade for Mr. Austin Noll, the trade for Trent Grisham, potentially, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. The trade for Mike Clevenger, even at that moment, was good. He was a very good player. You can argue that Austin Nola, that the Padres are buying really high on a guy that was hitting, I believe, almost like 300 in that 2020 season, and that they were buying high because they were so desperate to finally have a catcher who can hit for them. No offense to Austin Hedges. Uh, I mean, a little bit of a, a little bit of a uh, catching astray there for my guy Austin Hedges, but uh, they wanted a catcher that can hit. But you kind of bought high on a guy who a lot of people were like, he, you know, is he going to keep this up and whatnot? And he has not necessarily kept this up, batting, having an on-base below 300 already to start the year. Just not that great for them. And considering you gave up Ty France, that was a little bit of a loss. The Clevenger trade in the moment, you knew you were probably getting a high-quality starting pitcher. It's just that he got hurt. But bottom line is in this game, uh, yeah, a little bit of a shaky bullpen, but even still in this game, um, you just love what the Padres did here. Grisham, who I mentioned a little bit, he goes 0 for 4 in this game with a walk and two strikeouts. Uh, again, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later. But from what I saw from Clevenger was a guy who went out there, threw a lot of pitches, and looked pretty steady. It's still a little bit weird watching him in his little shuffle step thing that he does. He, he's like got a really wild delivery. But nonetheless... I like what I saw when you take into account everything. And again, similar to how I say with a lot of the Padres pitchers, they basically just need everybody to be a B, right? Because of how many B potential guys they have in their rotation, which is great. With a Clevenger, with hopefully when Blake Snell comes back, with Darvish, with Musgrove, with Mackenzie Gore, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, with uh, Sean Manaya, right? Like if all those guys are just okay and there's a consistent rotation and their offense is able to come in there, they can be a really quality team. So that's really all there is to say about Clevenger. I saw um, Kevin AC tweet about how he was just overcome with emotion, saying he just didn't know if he was ever going to pitch again. Uh, he broke down when talking with the media. He said he's just happy. I'm happy for him too. Great day for the Padres and a great win, thankfully. Despite all the bullpen struggles, Taylor Rogers coming in and nailing down the save. That was great. And by the way, another thing that we should take into account with this is the Guardians – Pretty decent lineup. You know, Josh Naylor, former Padre, he's had a, a good a good start for the Guardians. Stephen Kwan, obviously, he is basically their Jake Cronenworth, not whiffing at anything. Jose Ramirez, probably the best third baseman in baseball. Don't yell at me, all right? I'm just being objective. Probably the best first baseman in baseball, just one of the best players in baseball. He's really good. And, you know, just a decent lineup. This isn't the Reds. So, 
all in all, taking that into account, Doc Clevenger was pretty good, even without the velocity necessarily being there in his first start back and without too many whiffs on a lot of his pitches. It's one of those wait-and-see sort of things. But you know something that you don't have to wait and see for, guys? Something that you should get on right now? That's Blue Nile, ladies and gentlemen, because you know why you got to get on it now? Because Blue Nile, they help you with jewelry, man. Fine jewelry, you know, diamond jewelry, cocktail rings, tennis bracelets, gold layering jewelry, whatever. It's typically, it can be given as a gift. Specifically, let's focus, guys, why we're talking about right now, Mother's Day gifting. That's right. There are two parts of this business, wedding jewelry, fine jewelry, you know, like I just mentioned, they've got all sorts of stuff for your mom, for your special someone. If it's not for Mother's Day, whatever, bottom line is they got you covered for a reasonable price. I mean, look, man, I'm not a big jewelry guy. I mean, I got bling. I got, I got some style to me. I don't know, man. I, please, everybody, leave me a comment. What do you think of the fit? You know, I think I'm, I think I'm killing it a little bit right now. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? With the headphones, with the hat, with the glasses look, you know, with the, with the jacket, you know, the hoodie. I think I'm kind of killing it. But anyway, guys, when it comes to fine jewelry, Blue Nile has you covered. And because you're listening here, guys, this Mother's Day, give your mom something that they'll treasure forever. But more importantly, listeners to this Lockdown Padres podcast, you can get $50 off of your $500, $500 orders. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day, though. That's the key. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code locked on, guys. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Surprises are important. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. All right, let's keep it moving, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep it moving. You got, you got to keep it moving. You got to keep it moving. We got to talk about another. My voice is a little bit weird. Let me take some water. Mm. Voice is a little bit weird. I keep stuttering a little bit. Uh, we got to talk about the second game in this doubleheader series, right? In this doubleheaded series, we faced the Guardians again, and things were mostly pretty good, despite, in my opinion, probably the worst start so far for Mackenzie Gorn. You might be thinking, well, Javi, what, what are you talking about? He wasn't that bad. What do you mean? He, he only gave up one run. All right, final line for Mackenzie Gore in this game. Five and two-thirds innings, giving up one earned run on four hits, three walks, and two strikeouts. So walking more than striking out, but still 100 pitches, and his ERA still sits at a very, very nice 1.71. Look, even if a lot of Mackenzie Gore starts have come against some really bad teams, namely the Cincinnati Reds, <laughs> so that, that team in particular, even if that is true, with some of his starts. Bottom line is he's still a young pitcher, and you love to see young pitchers produce no matter who the team is, right? Especially with a guy who's had as troublesome a career arc as Mackenzie Gore has had going from a top pitching prospect to having a leg kick issue, confidence issues, control issues, all sorts of stuff. Even if all that being said, right? Still love to see him. Bottom line is just not give up too many runs. I will say in this game, though, the reason why I wasn't all that impressed is because he went back to throwing the fastball a lot. That's not necessarily an awful thing to do, but only four whiffs on all of his pitches in today's game. He threw the fastball 77% of the time, 77 pitches in total, so that was that worked out right. And then 13% of the time, he threw his curveball nine times. He threw his slider and only one changeup. That has been one thing. Uh, doesn't seem to trust the changeup so far. Uh, in his early young career, and granted, he's still very, very young. Let's be, let's emphasize that a lot. He's still very, very young and not giving up runs. That is awesome. But 
uh, not a lot of whiffs and whatnot, and threw his fastball more than his previous start, where he had a little bit more of a pitch mix with his curveball with his slider. Granted, better teams and whatnot, and it, it's kind of unfortunate because the curveball and the slider, like, they they have a nice movement to them. They can be nasty, but you also see the velocity on them on some of them aren't all that great. They look like they hang up in there, and maybe that's why he's a little bit worried that um, batters could potentially take him very, very deep with a max uh, velocity of 81.6 miles per hour on the curveball, uh, especially. So maybe maybe that's one of the things is he wants to improve that a little bit. Same for the same thing for the slider at 90.2 miles per hour. Probably wants them to be a little bit faster. Um, but most importantly, and I tweeted this, um, which wasn't to say that it was you know total luck, but one thing that I mentioned, and this doesn't include the two outs he got in the fifth inning, the last two outs that he got, but nine of the 12 hardest hits balls. Hardest hit balls in the game up to that point were from Guardians hitters. And of those nine, only two were hits, actually. So the Guardians were hitting pretty hard, uh, comparatively speaking to the rest of the players in today's game. And they didn't result in hits. Some were hit sharp to Hassan Kim, where they turned some really clutch double plays, which was great. But should be kept in mind that Guardians hitters were hitting him pretty decent. Is that because they just eventually were honing in on the fastball? Totally possible. Totally possible. And it's also possible that people are starting to figure out Gore is really going to that fastball a lot. This is what happens when you're in Major League Baseball. Teams start to analyze you and get more tape on you and get used to you and whatnot. And like I said, this isn't the Reds. It's actually a pretty okay, not great, but okay lineup over in Cleveland. But even with that all being said, still not a terrible start. And I like what I saw. What I didn't like what I saw, though is the bullpen. Uh, Craig Stammen went one and uh, a third in this game. He gave up an earned run. But most importantly, Tim Hill. I mean, I don't know what's... And I haven't talked about this enough, but Tim Hill has just been pretty dreadful so far this year. Uh, I mean, just over his last, since April 7th, he only has one strikeout. That's insane. I, I mean, I don't really know what's going on with this guy. He was a pretty okay reliever for the team. But on the year so far, he has two walks, like more walks than strikeouts. He's not walking too many batters, but he's not striking anybody out. He's falling apart, right? He's got an 11.12 ERA. He's responsible for three earned runs in this game, despite the fact that the Padres took a very commanding lead late on in the game thanks to a C.J. Abrams walk with the bases loaded and a Jerickson Profart double, which was a little bit lucky. He did like a little half swing, but bottom line is it counted, allowing Manny Machado to score. We also got, by the way, forgot to mention it, first baseman who must not be named at the top of the first inning, hitting a double that allowed Trent Grisham and Manny Machado to score, and then a single from Hassan Kim. Hassan Kim, by the way, I, I can't I can't talk about him enough. 250 average so far this year, 339 on base. He is doing quite exactly what I was talking about. 250 batting average, not great, but like a 330, 340 on base with good defense, that's going to play, especially for this Padres team that's missing Tatis right now. Um, he's been just excellent, I think. Um, but in this game, Tim Hill just getting absolutely killed. Robert Suarez comes in, tries to make up for the fact that Tim Hill left some guys on base. He isn't able to. He does get a strikeout. I think he's okay. I think he could get a little bit better. But considering some of the hype, considering that you had, you know, Trevor Hoffman, of course, Trevor Time talking about it a little bit and just kind of breaking down why he liked him, I think maybe expectations got a little bit high. And I'm a little bit responsible for that, too. Since he does throw gas, he throws really hard. He can touch 100 at times. Maybe I overrated him just a little bit, too. He wasn't able to get that out. But bottom line, Tim Hill has been a giant weakness for this Padres team, and just in general, uh, Suarez, Tim Hill, Craig Stamm, and he's got a 4.15, and to Nelson Lamette, who gets tagged with the loss in this game, can't even, like, 
He's just throwing wild pitches. He hits Fran Mil Reyes in the, at the end of this game. Of course, my brother in the bottom of the 10th then gives up the single to Stephen Kwan, allowing Owen Miller to score. Just no command. It's weird that even the slider, while I think the slider has potential, it's just... And and I saw a lot of people tweeting this too. Shout out to Padres Turner. But like at 29 years old, it's not like he's 34 and he was like, oh, I don't want to do this so late in my career. There is a really heavy vibe of, man, he should have got that Tommy John surgery. Right. I know all the hype was heading into last year that they were World Series favorites. And part of the reason was because their rotation was going to be so great. But probably should have done it because then we would have both Clevenger and Nelson Lamette potentially coming back this year. That could be really great. But, you know, by all accounts, that's probably what that's just the vibe that I'm getting is that Lamette, you know, it just feels like he's damaged and it feels like he's just not the same guy. And it really, really stinks because at the minimum, the idea of him potentially being a lights-out, really good long-inning reliever still has a lot of value, and it actually still might have value, considering how poor this Padres bullpen has been so far and how much they desperately need Drew Pomerantz to come back, right? Thankfully, it is a problem, the bullpen. With all these things, it is a problem, but bullpen is a lot easier to fix than starting pitching, right? You saw that's why they traded Chris Paddock and they got Taylor Rogers in the trade with the Minnesota Twins. I imagine as time goes on, they'll try and figure some things out. We'll see what they uh, do. We're, we're going to have to see what kind of relievers are out there. Maybe the Phillies. If the Phillies keep this up, they might they might look to trade some bullpen guys, for example, uh, or maybe some other teams like, I mean, we love trading with Tampa, right? But I don't really know. What's a team that could be trading? Maybe Danny Jimenez over out of Oakland. He's been a really good uh, reliever for them so far. That could be a guy. Who knows? Maybe they want to take a flyer on some guys who have been good for stretches like a Matt Barnes out of Boston. But bottom line, I don't know them right now, but there are certainly guys out there that can fix this. Um, but also, it does deserve some blame. Is that Main Machado, a little bit of a fielding error in this game? Let me see if I can find it. I actually can't find it. I thought there was a fielding error, wasn't there? Why doesn't it say that? Let me see one second, guys. Let me see one second. It doesn't... I saw fielding error from Manny Machado. Well, bottom line is I saw it. I don't know when it was, but it ended up being a little bit unfortunate for the Padres. Maybe they didn't score it as an error anymore. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe they didn't score it. Let me see here. Yeah, it doesn't look like they scored it as an error anymore, but Machado, a little bit of a grounder that he should have got. He was trying to get the ball and then tag the guy going to third really quickly. Should have made that play. It happens, I get it. Machado's not perfect, but he makes so many great plays for the team that you can't hate him. And in fairness, he's not in like that prime god mode of defense that he was in some years in Baltimore when he had like, you know, like a 16 outs above average and like 30 defensive runs saved. Instead, he's just consistently like in the 10 or like the 7 range. You know what I mean? He's just a great defender, but not necessarily in that god mode that he was at once upon a time for Baltimore, right? But still, plays a great defense. You can't blame him too much. You can't blame the first baseman, and you can't even blame Trent Christian too much in this game, despite the fact that, once again, he uh, went hitless, all right? Uh, bottom line, just to sum up all the too long, didn't read or didn't listen, Mackenzie Gore, still very young. I want to see more of a pitch mix. Maybe he got a little bit lucky, but still, I think one thing I will say is he probably performed well enough to force the issue. We're going to have to wonder when Blake Snell comes back. Are they going to get rid of Nick Martinez? Is he going to get sent down? I don't know because Nick Martinez is owed some money, right? Not a ton, but he's still got that contract and such. I don't really know what's going on. I'm not totally sure what's going to happen with this rotation. It's going to be something to watch. Maybe a trade is incoming. And you know AJ probably likes to make some splashes, guys. So we'll see. 
We'll see. But before we talk about uh, Sir Trent Grisham and a little bit of a Twitter exchange that I got into, not not beef or anything, like nothing crazy. I'm not mad or anything. But uh, um, before we get into that, guys, let's talk about something that is undisputed, and that is the best protein bars in the world. Summer is on its way, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, and your kids' backpacks, whatever. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bars is that they're healthy and delicious, right? Covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, guys. Check out the macros. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to candy bars that have around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, and you are living... They've got all these puff flavors, banana cream pie, they got double chocolate, raspberry, cherry barcia. They got all sorts of stuff, guys. And they'll have new flavors inbound. They've got a little bit of a Mother's Day sale going on. Guys, you're going to want to check them out. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Woo-wee, doctor. All right. All right. Let's talk about Trent Grisham real quick. Who I'm still waiting for somebody smart to like break down even more what's going on with Trent Grisham. Maybe because maybe I'm an idiot. Because I certainly think that's based on some of my replies today that people think I'm an idiot. On the season, Trent Grisham is currently hitting 182 with a 292 on base and a 273 slugging. So slugging is lower than his on base. Basically, what happened at some point today? I basically tweeted how, you know. Uh, it's starting to get dangerously close to the reality that the Padres very much lost the Trent Grisham trade. Then someone responded saying, LOL, Grish had a down year last year, missed a bunch of time, and still had a higher base war than than Urias. For those who might forget, Luis Urias, infielder for the Milwaukee Brewers, and Eric Lauer are the two people that were sent in exchange for Trent Grisham. Eric Lauer is good all of a sudden, but in a do-or-die playoff game, I'd rather have you. Which, perfectly respectable opinion. Perfectly respectable opinion. Then it got somebody else responded saying, Locked on hires guys that aren't even fans of the team. They are podcasting for 90% of the time, so they hold very little weight to me. The person who responded to me saying, 100 with the emoji, 100. You know what I mean? As uh, soon as they say, I was a fan of X team until I started this podcast, I shake my head and turn them off. Uh, hey, that's your prerogative, man. Totally entitled to that opinion. And when it comes to not being a fan of the team, I've been very open that I only started following them a little bit since like 2015 and that I grew up a Yankees fan, and that I'm a Padres fan now, because, yeah, I mean, for one thing, I was just looking for an out from the Yankees, you know what I'm saying? I hate that dancey. Go ask my mom how much I complain about the Yankees, and how I hate everything about their culture and whatnot, but, um, hey, teach their own. I, for one, I, I understand that, like, being a fan is, actually, I think, in, re- in actuality, um, about gatekeeping, and it's about being like, well, if you're critical of our, pra- our players, that means you're not a fan. That's actually the best way to be a fan is to not be critical of players that are not performing well because you just have to blindly like them and also gatekeeping. If you don't know about Jack Murphy Stadium, then you're not a fan. (laughs) Uh, But no, seriously, guys, I think that there is a good point to be made here, and that's that I have been dogging uh, Trent Grisham a lot and how I'm, I'm very fearful. I don't think it's a guarantee, but I'm very fearful that Trent Grisham, that this trade is is another loss in the A.J. Preller kind of last three years and just in ten, the general tenure of A.J. Preller. Um, the way I see it is 
Yes, Luis Urias in a vacuum. Both of these guys aren't necessarily guys that the Padres could have needed. That is a fair uh, point that I will use to counter myself right now, which is that they don't really need infield help right now. And in fairness, they have a lot of starting pitching. But when you just look at the trade in a vacuum, uh, Eric Lauer has had two straight games where he struck out more than 13 batters. He's lowering certain pitch usages. He's making mechanical changes. And also with Eric Lauer, he's not... 32-34, right, in that range. Guys that just are suddenly having a good season. He's still pretty young at like 27, uh, 26, 27 years old. So this could just be him molding and heading into his prime for what he could be. Don't get me wrong. I still want you Darvish ahead of him. I need a little bit more from Eric Lauer than uh, than before I'm ready to say I'm out on you Darvish. But in fairness, Eric Lowry last year, 3.19 ERA. Not a lot of strikeouts, right? He didn't get a lot of strikeouts, not nearly as many as you Darvish but still effective in just the simple area of not giving up too many runs. And it would have been nice, especially for Padres last year, if they had a Lauer at the back end of the rotation with Paddock, you know, fumbling and being injured with the, the Ariadne and Vince Velasquez sort of uh, debacle, right? That would have been nice. When we're looking at this as a value, when we're looking at it as overall value in a vacuum, it's not always just about one player versus the other. It's about assets, Right. If you knew that Eric Lyre and Luis Urias could potentially be better, you look back at them and you're saying, oh, those guys are pretty good. And all we got out of them is Trent Grisham. And Trent Grisham, yes, he was awesome in 2020. But to the person that responded to my tweet, I do want to push back and say, you know, the idea of a down year last year, I think that you you have to be careful when saying that because Trent Grisham had an incredible truncated 2020, 250. 350 on base, played gold glove defense, etc. Even though, and also hit basically looked like he might be a 25-25 guy when it comes to counting stats, when it comes to swiping bags and whatnot. But, you know, ever since the second half of the season um, of last year, this is something that I tweeted yesterday. Uh, so before this game, so the stats are a little bit off and whatnot. But ever since the second half of, what is it, of, of last season, let me tell you some things about Trent Grisham. Uh, he has a 203, 295, 318 slash line. Around them, again, this was yesterday, so some of the name, numbers might have changed slightly uh, over the course of the last day. A 0.1 F4, a 75 WRC+, plus, which for those who don't know, it's a stat that kind of but judges offense, offensive skills, that kind of removes things like park factors and stuff like that, some fielding things. And if you're 75, that means you're 25% worse than your average player. And then if you're 125, you're 25% player, so on and so forth. 75 WRC+, plus, five home runs, and he has the second lowest weighted on base among all qualified outfielders in this stretch, with the only one being worse being Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers. And Bellinger, by the way, who's been playing a little bit better. Um, in this short stretch. We've seen that he stopped swinging at high fastballs. Talk with Jeff Snyder over at Lockdown Dodgers about this. But I don't think that Trent Grisham is confirmed bad. I think he's just the problem, and I've said this a lot, is he might be lowercase g good. And I also get, talked about the positional need, that the Padres needed a center fielder. And they figured, let's go for this guy that a lot of people might be out on because of the playoff error, who has a decent hit tool, Right? It looks great when he's making contact. He's got a good eye at the plate, and he can play a good glove. The Pirates have been desperate for that. You know, They shipped off Manny Margo, who wasn't an incredible bat, but he was a pretty solid defender for the team. They needed outfield depth, so they said, we got a lot of infield stuff already. You know, Let's let's move this stuff around. We like some other guys that we have, and it ended up being okay because Trey Cronenworth ended up breaking out, etc. You bring in Hassan Kim and all, and all these things and so on and so forth. 
But just in terms of a value, you look at this and you say, oh my God, if Eric Lauer keeps continuing, this is pretty rough. And not to mention with the argument about you Darvish, let's keep in mind how much money you Darvish is making. Now, granted, money in baseball is a weird conversation because it depends on how you're attacking it, right? Teams could spend a lot more money than they do. It's not like there's a hard salary cap. But bottom line is you Darvish is costing a whole lot more. And ever since the sticky stuff ban, it's not like I'm for sure confident that you Darvish will be better. I would take him over Eric Lauer right now. But I think you're kidding yourself if you've been watching Padres baseball since the second half, since the sticky stuff ban, that you're like, I know definitively that based on value, based on the contract, based on the control, based on the current constraints the Padres are in, where maybe if that money wasn't committed to Darvish for two more years, maybe they might have the ability to move it elsewhere and strengthen the bullpen and strengthen the offense, get a left fielder perhaps, right? Something like that. Left fielder, right fielder, whatever. Um maybe even a DH because Luke Voigt hasn't been so good uh, so far. Hopefully he's better when he comes back from the IL. Uh, when you take all that into account, the Trent Grisham trade isn't looking great. I don't think it's a disaster on the, I, I think the Austin Nola trade has probably been worse. I think that the, uh, let me see. Uh, I don't, let me see. What's a worse trade for the, I think the Austin Nola one is probably the worst one I can think of right now, right? The worst move is the first baseman, Right. First baseman's Connor. Yeah, I think that's probably the worst one. Unless I'm forgetting an obvious one. Matt Brash over for the Mariners, considering they traded him for like a, a couple months of a reliever. And Matt Brash, I know he didn't have a great start yesterday, but he's looked okay. He's looked exciting. And that's another former Padre that's been pretty good. Mike Clevenger, who I wrote about for Just Baseball, that should be going up by now. I'll try to include that in the description of the episode if it's up. Um, that, that trade, I, I don't count as a loss for them, even if... Cal Quantrill's looked pretty good. That's the way I view it, right? And that's just what I'm saying. Grisham just seems like a lot of people know how to attack him. And it's been a long time. When Jake Cronenworth is through a spell and all the expected stats are saying, hey, he's still barreling it. He's still hitting the ball pretty well. He's not chasing too much. He's not whiffing too much. I don't freak out because he also had a great 2021, right? Trent Grisham, since the second half of 2021, has been really rough to watch. That's all I'm saying. And me saying that, and me being a more nascent, more new, nascent's a weird word to use there, uh, more new to the Padres group does not mean that my opinion carries any less weight. Does it mean that I know about all the classic Padres stuff? No, but it also means that I'm not just cheerleading every player on the Padres. Of course I do that sometimes for fun, because it's a good bit. You got to. I mean, you got to. I've been doing that for Jerks and Profar for a while now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I love Profar so much. I've never said a bad thing about the man. I did once, and then I went back on it, because it was really mean. And then I was like, all right, like even when he's doing bad, I tend to, to be uh, happy for the guy. Um, so that's just my perspective. Hopefully Grisham can can do better. But I do think the idea that he had a down year is what I, I really disagree with. Uh, down year, I think you need to reserve for players who have a little bit more of a track record, right? You could even say that for Darvish. In fairness, I will say that. You could say Darvish maybe just had a down year. Because in fairness, he was, he's was he been good for years, right? You could say that for Blake Snell. But Trent Grisham, are we sure? Yeah, we'll see. He's 25. Give it a little bit more time. But for a guy that's ha- supposed to have a great eye at the plate, I need you to stop striking out so much, man. I need a little bit more. Second worst weighted on base among outfielders, guys. See how it pans out. We need, we're, they're going to need a lot more. That might be a position they need to address in the offseason. But anyway, everybody, that is basically it before I log off of here responding to the haters. <laughs> 
<laughs> on today's episode, guys, please go check out Locked On MLB, which is hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. But please call him Sully, taking you on an adventure through the majors, both past and present, free and available on all platforms, just like this podcast, guys. That about does it for today's Locked On Padres podcast, the only pod. They may be better than the Padres themselves. Free and available on all platforms. If you want to check out my sweet fit, then I might have to rock uh, on another episode just because I love it so much. Check out the YouTube. Check out me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Forever shout out to all the Friar Faithful homies. As always, stay safe and stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care.